All right, I think we got it. All right, yeah. and then we'll uh, and we kind of like it's move right. We keep it. we keep it uh, we keep it real easy. So sometimes we might go off on a tangent about Star Wars or something. Right. Just roll with us. <laughs> we got it. All right. You can welcome yeah. do your own tangents right. too. Yeah. Right. So if you have a tangent, that you know we're not going to judge you for it. That's no, perfectly fine. I think I've listened to you guys uh, several times, so I know. I think you know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. There I, we go. I listened to. Every episode started from Chris back to when you guys were at, I think, 30 countries or so. Yeah, so I went 46 like countries, 46 man. Countries. That, that's a, that's a, okay. Yeah, don't go further than that. Yeah, it's a, it's a basically a sharp spiral down <laughs> as far as the quality and content. There. Or a very steep climb up. Yeah. To the Not Done Podcast. I am your gracious host, Iron Man Abdullah. I have uh, the lovely professional uh, Shaman Warden. I don't know why I keep saying lovely. What's, what's I don't know where that's feminine from. introduction. I don't know where lovely, like, why is that in my vocabulary? I don't know. Um, I mean, you're kind of lovely, you know, whatever. I'm just saying. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> um, we got the biz. We got the biz. Hey, Shaman Warden is doing? here. Uh, and our uh, we have a very special guest here today, Shaman. I don't know if you know this or not. Um, we have Gabriel Carter, who is a regulatory compliance analyst. Uh, he joins us today. Uh, very graciously came here um, to join these, you know, couple of guys who are trying to learn about doing business in Africa. So this will be our fifth doing business in Africa uh, in the series, and then we're going to jump on some um, some other stuff for next week. Uh, but thank you for joining us today, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. This My is, uh, as I said earlier, this is, uh, I've been listening to you guys' show, and I think this, you guys are doing a great work. Uh, thanks, so man. Thanks for having me. Oh, wow. Uh, Glad you thanks. like it. Glad you like it. I'm sure you've heard us uh, get into some ridiculous arguments as well. Definitely. It happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Star Wars, the, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, landing on the moon, right? Yep, uh, yeah. yep. Landing on the moon. That's one of our controversial ones. Right? I am the only one not on that controversy. I know, I know, exactly. <laughs> uh, I just want to see some proof. That's all. Anyway, well, thank you for joining us today. As you know, we've been learning, uh, and we've learned quite a bit over the last four or five episodes that we've had. We had one that we did that we couldn't use because um, uh, the audio quality was messed up. We had a bunch of stuff happening in the background, but. Mm -hmm. Shaman and I are on a journey to um, start doing business in Africa in some way or form. We don't know how. We don't know what we're going to do exactly, but we're going to do it. And we've learned quite a bit from the last five or six guests that we've had that have really taught us a lot. Um, you know, both of us, as you know, and this is also for the audience, you already know us, but uh, for the audience as well, Shaman and I are, are entrepreneurs in Massachusetts. I have a construction project management firm. Mm -hmm. uh, Shaman has a um, consultancy and what, do you, what is that where you find I'm money for people? I yeah, I do growth capital. It's growth easy capital. To, okay. Easy as I say. So, uh, so we, we know how to do business here in America, but we're on a journey to bring African-Americans to Africa and to do that 
you need to have a strong economic base. Right. You need to know how to make money in Africa. Right. Um, and it's good for the continent as well. Right. Good for us as well because even though we don't feel like we have a very strong connection with Africa, we do, but we've just been stripped of that. Right. So you, uh, uh, Mr. Carter, you are originally from Liberia. Yes. Uh, we had another gentleman on the podcast before, uh, Christopher Jackson. He's got our second uh, second most listened to podcast ever. Interesting. He had a, he had a great story. Hopefully, I can top that. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. <laughs> um, and uh, so you're gonna you know give us a little bit of insight into what you do, mm-hmm. and you know furthermore, um, we are also part of a, we haven't given a name to the team that we've assembled over the last couple of weeks or a few mm-hmm. weeks, but you're a member of this team. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we recently, uh, this podcast hasn't aired, but it's actually going to be up tomorrow. Mm. Uh, we recently did a podcast where we had a panel of people who were um, who had done uh, business in Africa, mm-hmm. and we did a panel in front of about uh, fifteen to twenty people who were also interested in doing business in Africa. These were all uh, young African American and African people in, right. the, in the city of Boston, right. and um, you just had a lot to say at that. Yeah. At that panel as well, right? My my name is Gabriel Carter, and uh, originally from Liberia. Yeah, um, I was born there, left when I was six due to the war. Yeah, uh, we fled to the Ivory Coast, which is the neighboring country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived there for seven years, and then we moved to uh, Ghana uh, for four years before coming here when I was uh, sixteen. Wow. Um, mm. Yeah, I did about three years of high school here at Cambridge Range Line. Um, went on from there, went to college. Uh, Cambridge College, and then went on to grad school at uh, Brandeis University. Wow. Um, yeah. So, um, currently, I work as a compliant analyst, regulatory mm-hmm. compliant analyst, be exact, yeah. um, for a small bank, regional bank, mm-hmm. um, quite a decent size, um, about $11 billion bank. Um, and that's pretty much what I do right now. And um, I've been in, in and out of uh several activities in the Boston area. I think for me, my passion lies into uh, helping African diaspora in the, in, in the di- African and in diaspora, you know, start businesses to at least launch on the continent. Yeah. Or if they're going to launch, yes, launch on the continent to be able to create jobs on the continent. I think mm-hmm. for me, that's the biggest economics piece that I want to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reason why I'm involved in the, uh, you know, the panel that we had, was it last week? Right. It was on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it was last week. Yeah. Right. That's the reason why I became part of that because um, I think for me and I think every African, that's something we want to look at on the grand scales of things. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I look at it that way, I think, I, as I said on the panel, um, you see on the news where Africans are coming here looking for opportunities. Yeah. And because we don't have this opportunity back there. Um, it's not because we don't have it there, because we don't create it there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a you know, I have a friend who's actually a doctor, like a medical doctor from back in Liberia, who came here, but she started working as a nurse's aide. You know, now she didn't just come here to work as a nurse's aide. Mm-hmm. She she started working as a nurse's aide because they didn't honor her doctor degree, not the doctor medical yeah, doctor degree, that. right? Wow, and man, she came here because. I will, she would rather work as a nurse's aide than be in Liberia without any opportunity to work and earn money at all. Sure. So for me, when we do those activities to start companies that, you know, make companies start businesses on the continent, mm-hmm. is to look at that side of it, say, hey, if we can help 
one or two people start business on the continent yeah. that would be somebody hiring whether one or two people and it, it help on the grand scheme of thing to help reverse that you know people fleeing the continent because they don't have opportunity there we want to create businesses on the continent to have opportunity on the continent so for me on the grand scheme i think that's actually my passion can Ooh. i ask you a quick tangent question yeah uh i know that liberia originally uh you started there f- they started from slaves from America, right? Mm-hmm. Is it hard to immigrate back to America from Liberia, or is it a little easier? Like, you know how Canadians can go to, uh, they can immigrate to Great Britain mm-hmm. a little easier than mm-hmm. someone from another that's not a colony of, like, is Liberia still like a colony of America or something like that, no, or no? they're not. Actually, we're one of two countries on the continent that were not colonized. Mm-hmm. Um, so Liberia being one, I think Ethiopia is the second Mm-hmm. Um, so the way Liberia was founded was to f- free slaves from here, right? Oh, okay, uh, all right. right. That actually was sent on the boat. So when they went there, there's, a, there's an island in Liberia called the Providence Island, mm-hmm. right? Which yeah. is named after the Providence, Rhode Island here. Mm-hmm. So that's where they settled. And from there, they, you know, some of them actually moved into Sierra Leone. Okay. And, you know, bulk of them end up being in Liberia. And uh, there were indigenous people there when they got there, just like America. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it was actually founded by what's called the American Colonization Society. The, the guys that actually wanted to say, hey, you know, we want to form our own country. So they got on the board and left. Matter of fact, our first president was actually from Virginia, James Monroe. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Man, that's an American name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. James he, Monroe. James Monroe. He was, uh, you know, so the capital city is named yeah. Mon- Monrovia, yep, right? Yep, right, yep, right, yep. right after him. So um, as far as people immigrating to Liberia, um, I would say it, it, it depends, um, you know, how you, you know, just a lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question here. Maybe I'm yeah, you kind of are. I, I was under the impression because, you know, we, we don't always get the straight dope here in America. I mean, the right. straight truth. Right. We always have an Americanized, sanitized version of right. the world. No. Right? So, right. so I didn't know exactly how Liberia came up. I just remember mm-hmm. from my old history training from right. the seventh or eighth grade right. that Liberia started with American slaves mm-hmm. and they were given a whole bunch of money or something. They started, that's this is just what I remember. I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. And they started their country, Liberia, like before, how old is Liberia? Uh, we're about 171, 171. 171. So before that, Liberia right. didn't exist, right? No, we, yeah. there were people, there were people actually there. So yeah. the slaves from, that's a matter of fact, up to now, there's also a clash between the people that Till came now. from here, yeah, oh, wow. the people that came from here and the indigenous people that were there. Mm. Um, uh, to go a little deeper into our history, we actually, uh, yeah, so they have that conflict, you know, because the people that were from here, the slaves that are here, right, that came from here, yeah, thought they were better than the indigenous people, so they used to pretty much <laughs> treat them like wow. slaves, exactly. So the slaves from America are like, oh, we're better than you. Exactly. Wow. So, a matter of fact, there's several, if you go deep into library history, it caused several tribal wars, and yeah, yeah and over the time, it you know, they begin to work together and then mm-hmm. you know, build Liberia. Um, matter of fact, even um, I think it was Marcus Gavi that went from here and yeah. actually spoke about that, and they yeah. ended up kicking him out out of there you know, because of that. Um, yeah, yeah, they so, kicked Gavi off. Yeah, yeah. But the founding of Liberia is, you know, it's I was we weren't colonized, but you know we gained our independence from that American colonization society. 
you know. So we weren't mm. to say we weren't like you know there weren't like American that said ruling Liberia, mm-hmm. um, and then later on we say you know wow we didn't want our independent like every other country in no. Africa did. So uh, eighteen I think it was yeah eighteen forty seven we gained our independence and then okay. you know yeah. Yeah. Okay. I always thought it was like just a lot close because you know the fl- the flag looks very similar to our flag. Yes. Yeah. Um, I thought it was like kind of like a you know Puerto Rico's like not America, but mm-hmm. it is like you can just come here from yeah. Puerto Rico. I thought it was something like that, but I guess not. But anyway, I learned something. To a point, it is because you know I mean technically, as I said earlier, the slaves from here actually found it like there, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, they actually, in terms of you know causing the uh, the independence to happen, yeah. they were actually the full force behind it. You okay. Know? Um, so that's why you know, as you pointed out earlier, that's why our flag, you know, it looked a lot similar, you know, like the uh, the flag of America. Yeah. Um, if you, we have one star in our flag, which we call it the Lone Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flag in Texas is called the, the, the Lone, Lone Star, star as yeah. well. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of similarities there, um, but we weren't officially colonized. Yeah. Got it. So, okay. Uh, um, is your governance structure and constitution kind of similar to the U.S. as well? Exactly. So all of our everything that we do is pretty much mimic after the United States. Okay. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, we're I think we're the only country on our continent that have a like very close relationship with the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That so, could be good and can be bad sometimes. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. I think it was a. If you ask me, I would say it was a curse. Yeah. 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 So going back to what you do here, so do you have any um, uh, countries in Africa that you specialize in to help people uh, start doing business over there? Or currently, I haven't really uh, full fledged, you know, gone into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I just started to, you know, sit on. Matter of fact, I'm on a, another, you know, similar to what we we did last week on the panel. We yeah. have another. There's another initiative called Idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, is A D E A uh, Africa. Uh, diaspora engaged in African. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they, this is a similar model, but theirs is focused on uh, nonprofit, mm-hmm. right? So okay. they're looking at nonprofit for now, and they're pretty much uh, working with the uh, the AU ambassador, mm-hmm. uh, who is you know very focused on you know getting diaspora. Uh, African diaspora here to engage in in Africa. Yeah. Um. So they were. It was actually definitely modeled after the the AU agenda. The African Union has an agenda that they want to, in order for Africa to advance, it needs the African Indian diaspora to really engage in Africa. Yeah. So that initiative was founded to bring African you know together to actually engage to do business in Africa but as far as what I do I haven't really started looking into um, uh, you know Africa as a whole yet um, yeah. Yeah. do you think people are sophisticated do you think they're going in from just passion or do you think um, people are going to be exploitive what are your thoughts about people's motivations or their preparation to do business on the continent well, we can look at it on two fronts, right? So if you're looking at it from a multinational perspective, um, I think um, I think they don't have the, uh, the know-how, they don't understand the region, right? Okay. Um, I think it was probably two years or three years ago, KKR, one of the biggest private equity firms, they bought, I think, the biggest floral company in, Af- in Africa, I think Ethiopia, for $200 million, right? Mm-hmm. Like what company? KKR, it's called KKR. Oh, you said floral company. It's a floral company, so they make flour. Oh, okay. Flour, right? Got it. Okay. Right. Um, and they they invested two hundred million in that company, and 
trying to manage it from Europe, you know, but they didn't have a, a, an office on the ground, right? I think a few years later, they pulled out, say, oh, we like this because of field deals flow, mm-hmm. uh, because I think they didn't understand the market. And probably, I think sometimes like last week, uh, another Blackstone, which is another big, big, situ- big, right, firm. Right, yeah. big firm, pulled out of Africa, $2 billion, decided the same reason. So on the multinational side, um, they, they don't have that, you know, uh, local knowledge to really understand the uh, the market. Now, if you're looking at let's say people from here, you know, like individuals just like my you you and I, yeah. Um, I think it's it takes depending what country you go in. Mm-hmm. Every market is different. Yeah. There's language barriers. There's different kind of challenges. It takes uh, somebody who really is passionate about what they want to do to really be successful there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know, I think as we mentioned from the, uh, the other girl mentioned the other day, yeah. um, that she just went trying to you know give somebody money and they ended up duping her out of money. Yeah. But there's interesting story there where people stood their ground. In, like If you're going in, you have to go in with integrity, right? So uh, uh, what's this company uh, consultant from? McKinsey, right? Mm-hmm. Before they opened their office in Nigeria, right? They, you know, they had to apply for business license, right? Which every company is supposed to do. So when they applied for, you know, they, you know, somebody came out to them and said, "Hey, you know, give me such and such amount. I will give you the business license quicker." You know, and they mm. stood their ground. They said, "No, we, we're not going to do that." Because if you engage into corruption from the end on start, it's going to backfire on you. So, yeah. Right. So they they held their ground and said, "No, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go the normal route. If it takes longer to get it, we're going to do that." But if you go from the onset and feel like hey, you have to pay people off to get yeah. stuff done, yeah. it's going to it's going to catch up with you later on. So I, um, from that end, I, I think if you go in with the integrity, have the passion to what you want to do, really get some people on the ground who understand what you want to do. You yeah. can you, you can anybody can be successful there. I also um, I should have brought this up at the uh, panel that we were on. Our first guest for the Doing Business in Africa, he talked about strategic partnerships. So you partner with tried and true businesses who are already in the area that can help you get to where you need to be, whatever and whatever it is. And that way you kind of, I'm not going to say you never have to worry about someone taking your money, but you, right. it's a little bit more reliable. Like if you, if you guys have a common interest... And uh, and you guys can work together, maybe split the pie a little bit once you get to the, you know, start to making some money. That person might be able to help you navigate. It makes it easier. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Right. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of stories. Like, even the, uh, the, the, the cell phone company in Liberia right now, Orange, right? Which is the biggest cell phone provider in Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. They, that's exactly what they did. They came in and bought the local cell phone company. Hmm. And so it was like this partnership. Whereas if they had gone in by themselves, yeah. Uh, Nobody, I don't think they would have understood the market, and that would have been a challenge for them. So I think what your guest said, that was, uh, I think, the appropriate way to go in mm-hmm. until you actually get that, you know, little bit of skin in the game. Yeah. Then you can say, okay, you know, I think the proper way to do it was to say, hey, I'm going in, we're going to form this partnership for, let's say, five or ten years. Yeah. And then after that, I think by that time, it'll take you a lot to learn, yeah. and then you can branch out on your own to really, you know... Uh, you know, explore the market whichever and way I you think want to. That's a good amount of time because then the people don't feel like you're going to just come and exactly. learn from me and then exactly. compete with me immediately. Right. We're going right. to continue to mature. Right. But I also like when uh, that was Godwin. Um, Shout out to Godwin. Yeah. yeah. He still listens. It's, he took the partnership models that he was doing here stateside mm-hmm. and those relationships with the hot, um, hotels from his story mm-hmm. and he brought that understanding 
to right. to right. Africa, and right. he's also from you know, Tanzania, and right. said, oh, "I can do this." Right. I, I'm pretty sure he had to shape it in a slightly different way. He right. didn't get into that point, but I, I like that. It was like I did hotel partnerships here right. as a transportation company. I can do that okay. same thing, right. it was, it, it, um, re- respecting the the local customs. Right. And he ended up being more competitive than you know some large some, multinationals right now. Right. So uh, I mean. For me, if you're like guys like myself, because I've lived here for too long, mm-hmm. so I feel like I don't have a you know. Even though I understand, let's say if I if I were to go in Liberia and say I was starting a, a business there, because I know people there, I've yeah. been there, I was raised, I was born there, it, it would be a lot easier. But because I've stayed here for too long, I think it. it if anybody, if you're going there to do any business, you have to just really go on the ground and do your due diligence to yeah. really know. So you got to be on the ground. There's you no gotta, shortcuts no, there. No, I, I wouldn't. It, I, I wouldn't advise anybody to stay here and do business there. Yeah. If you're going to do, I would say go there. Maybe spend about you know to actually you know get things running. Yeah. Um, make sure you have trusted staff that are you know you know uh, keep the business running before you can you know yeah. go back and forth on that. Right. That's what. Um, what was the older gentleman that was sitting next to you? The gray hair. That was Curtis. Oh, he, his name was Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Curtis. Yeah. Um, no, he also said that. Like yeah, he's got to, he, like you got. There's no shortcuts. You got to go there. And jo- um, John and said same thing too, um, yeah. Montero, um, because is he Cape Verdean? That guy? Yeah, he's Cape Verdean. Oh, yeah, yeah. um, and Curtis is from. Um, he's from Boston. Well, I, I noticed that if you're going to work remotely, I've I found it interesting that so many companies and, and businesses don't really think about the expat experience well. Mm. You know. If you're going to be doing business here mm-hmm. and you're doing business back home and you're not bringing the people back and forth where you can, you know, you're doing business here. Some of the team should be back in the home country or the country you're doing, but you should bring them some of them here. And you're always cycling people through That's, as right. opposed to someone comes here to because you got to do a report or right. an activity right. and everything collapses right. back or the money goes on. Right. If you have that yeah. team experience, um, uh, little bit of a tangent like right now like if you're flying the major plane mm-hmm. they there's always the pilot and the co-pilot they're not allowed to be by themselves mm-hmm. they go nuts sometimes and they crash on purpose really yeah it's a depression that pi- pilots get so they don't allow them to be by themselves so pilots get depressed in the air and just decide to crash the plane yeah that's yeah. a common thing that just it's not a common thing but it's I've a, never it's, heard of this. it's a it's a it can affect them so that's why there's is that like some kind of in the air psychosis they just get? Or? It, it, it happens over time. Man, so it's weird. going on. So they don't allow them to blame by themselves. Like the guy who crashed in Europe into the I was Swiss. just going to say that, right? Because nobody expected that to happen and it, it just happened. Yeah, they and, found, and, no, and it was later on that they actually realized what, what he was going through. Right? Yeah, yeah. He right, was going through right, that kind of depression. Right, right. He locked out the other pilot. Right. He wasn't just, supposed to, you're not supposed to mean that by himself. Right? Was he on a passenger jet? Maybe that? Yeah, he, yeah, he did that. Though. He killed a whole bunch of people. Beat his ass. Like if I was the other pilot. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, they, I was the other pilot. See, this is one of the things: is the anti-terrorist lock stopped the other pilot from getting in. Yeah, oh, so he, he locked him out of the out of. Oh, okay. Right. I thought yeah, he was like right. next to him and he locked his controls no, no, out no. or something. No, no he locked him out. So, oh, okay. So they don't do it if another person is next to them. Oh man. So imagine that in your company, you got to keep that 
And I wow. think also, too, it helps you grow because now you're getting that learning from the U.S. Right. And, and from the, the continent it, going right. back and right. forth, and it's right. always helping you. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's also just good management. You want to keep people uh, in, in intertwined in the company. Mm-hmm. So if you're in America and you're living it up, that's still going to be the perception of people over there. You want to have them come back and you going over there. You can't just have them, you staying there and going over there. You want to keep the, like you said, the cycle yeah. going. Yeah, very good, Shimon. All right, man. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Um, no, well, I'm learning a lot today. Um, I want to learn about like how, uh, like, wh- how much money does it take to like, like with Curtis, all right. He 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 mentioned uh, something along the lines of four hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Oh, well, Curtis. Well, I'm no one to talk about Curtis. Deal is huge. So, but yeah, but how, but I want to know like how much. Like, let's say I have ten thousand dollars and I want to do something in Africa. What can I realistically do? You know what I mean? Well, the mark, as I said earlier, the markets are different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know what ten thousand dollars can really get you exactly. started with, right? Unless it's some, you know, uh, e-commerce the app you're launching that's gonna do, you know, solve some kind of problem. Yeah. Say I can build this app for thirty-five hundred and you know launch it and do. Well, that. I'm I'm talking but, about like regular people money. Um, you know, for a regular person, I think ten thousand will probably just it's, it's like store money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because before I would say that's that's a lot of money, but um now this is. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't really think know you, can, you do. can you can do much with 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 ten. Well, you probably have to join together with other people, right? Yeah, right. And put your money. You together. can learn. You could also get taken. Ten thousand dollars should be what you're learning to test your model out with, right? Okay. Yeah. Now, let's say if you're going into like as Shaman pointed out, if you're going into um, let's say a partnership where this you know this company is building. Uh, uh, what is affordable housing say hey yeah um this is something i was thinking about you know i have such and such amount maybe we can go partner we can partner up on this yeah. then i would say hey if once that happened that ten thousand dollar might you know yield you know kind of significant effect um uh returns on your, on your investment mm-hmm. but you know to just go by yourself and say hey i have ten thousand dollars i'm going to invest in something um, I can't really think about anything that will. I don't uh, think yeah. so. Here's here's what I uh, actually uh, like. Last year, someone came to me with a uh, a land proposal. Right. It was like, hey, because everyone knows Ghana. If you're part of the African diaspora, they'll offer you free citizenship. Right. So if you're here in America, right. you're black, you can go over there, right. become a citizen. Right. So he was saying, um, you can buy into um, this government approved land share thing, mm-hmm. and basically you buy acres of land to mm-hmm. do whatever you want to do for industry to put a house on whatever you want to do mm-hmm. but it just seemed kind of shady because basically at the end of the day i'm just giving somebody thousands well, of dollars so ghana, the, ghana has zoning so th- that's, what, yeah, that's what i was going to say this yeah. with ghana this this uh i think they're the more developed country than we are mm-hmm. um if somebody make a proposal like that to you, you can do your due diligence and find out whether this is real or not yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and to to be able to reach out to somebody in the government i think those are easy things that that's easily doable that yeah. to say hey i have this proposal this company is proposing this to me uh you know whatever land deal it is uh i'm trying to look into it to make sure this is real uh, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact is this something that's actually the government is actually even offering you know since you're a banker you know yeah. and you work on the regulatory side can you explain um easily due diligence because you know we say it all the time right. that's but good. most people yeah. don't know what due diligence is so um it's, it depends what you want uh when i you know just a little bit of background so when i started in banking i started working with small businesses mm-hmm. so like from fifty thousand to like five million dollar 
uh, transaction. Um, so, and then I went from there, went on the credit side. So on the credit side, that's what we do a lot of due diligence, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you're, um, you know, a small company, uh, say you have about $4 million revenue every year. And you say, hey, you know what, uh, uh, Iman, I'm, you know, I, I like your company. I want to buy your company. Um, we, we, if, if you engage us to do the, uh, the underwriting, right? Mm -hmm. we, what we would, you know, matter of fact, we would look at who your management team is, um, how long you you know your management team your your historical your financial historical um, stuff like that you know how big is this company that you're you know you're going to acquire um, we even look at you know whether you'll be able to service that debt that you're asking to take you know it's it, it goes into everything just we dig a little bit matter of fact we will even search to see if you anybody file um, lawsuit against you because um, there's any even pending lawsuit that might be filed that might you know, come back up later and say, hey, and I put the uh, the deal at risk later on and mm -hmm. put your company underwater. So those are pretty much, the, that's what comprises of due diligence. Um, um, on the, and you, uh, so you do the, the personal, the business. Right. Do you do the, the country risk too? We, we do the country risk as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's say if you're even, uh, let's say, going to invest in a country, you look at the, uh, you know, the most thing we pay attention to is the political risk, right? Because um, it, it could be safe for now, uh, depending on who's in power, right? Would that, you know, let's say three, four, five years from later on, could that be an uprising? Or we look at the past history of the country and say, hey, there's been a lot of, you know, war and ending, and then there's another war picking up. So if we look at that, we see a trend in that country. We say, you know what, um, we may, we may not, depending on how strong the company is. Um, mm. So yeah. So like, if you're strong enough, to be like, I, I think they can endure that con that country exactly. risk. But if you're if you're that per, and I think that's where that ten thousand dollars kind of hurts a person, because mm -hmm. if you went in with ten thousand dollars from scratch, right, you got to you got to get a partner, you got to pay the country price. Let's say there's no corruption. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, you're still that's, that's nothing. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. you're spending so much money just putting the deal together yeah. right. in time right. that probably I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to be nice. I'm say three thousand dollars just go up and go right out for right just out. setting up the deal, right? Setting up everything up. And right. I know that costs way more than that. Right. So you you got seven to actually put actually put, put into the uh, yeah. Right, right. And Not to mention plane tickets, <laughs> <laughs> ten grand right, right. there. <laughs> that might be yeah. fifty. Yeah. So that, that I think that's where it comes in, as opposed to if you have a partner or you've been there and you understand it and you have a business that can take root. Yeah. If you put a $10,000 additional capital, maybe you can really get some traction going. All right. So you said that you haven't you haven't really done um, uh, you haven't really done anything in Africa yet. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? Uh, for me, I think there are several things that I want to do. Mm -hmm. One is to I, I think, as I keep saying, my passion is to be able to fund because I don't think we have enough small businesses in the in Africa as a whole. Uh, really? So even amongst Africans, we, there's so not enough small currently businesses. Currently, there's uh, there are 400 companies that are grossing over a billion dollar a year, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, for a continent of 1.2 billion, I think we need another maybe four, five hundred, or even way more to. Are those African do, companies? Though? Those are African companies. Okay, right? 400 right. of them, and this is why. Yeah, we should not, do not a lot more, of people, way more than right? that. Not a lot of people yeah. know about that. Yeah. And even with those companies that exist, yeah. there is the market as a whole is still fragmented. Mm. And I think one of you guys this point that out as well. Yeah, um, it's still fragmented from whatever country you go in. Yeah. Uh, for me, so my 
my passion is actually to be able to invest in small companies to actually start business today. Mm-hmm. That's one. Uh, another thing, two things that I want to do is real estate um, because as the population grows, people yeah. will need places to stay. Yeah. Um, and and as well, this it's food. Uh, you need places Always. to stay and you need food, clothing, food. and shelter. So, so those are my three areas that I want to focus in for now. So um, by the end of this year, I will be going back there, uh, mm-hmm. specifically starting in Liberia. Um, my dad has uh, about 600 acres of land. We're going to, you know. Wow, just, that's a lot. Wow. Yeah, going there to explore it and see what we can do. Whether, you know, we're looking at, you know, doing cocoa, like cocoa to like have coffee beans on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or um, uh, he's even looking at planting rubber on it. But I think rubber takes too long to grow. It takes about mm-hmm. seven years. While cocoa is, I think, three years. Uh, so we're looking at different things to do on it. But at the core of what I want to do is venture capital, invest in small company, and real estate. Real estate is what I definitely want to do. And I, uh, yeah, I was looking at a company, um, hopefully we'll get them on the podcast and we've been talking with the owner for a while, and I'm going to be a little vague to respect their their rights, mm-hmm. but they're um, similar situation. They're expats, so they're from the Ghana, Liberia, Ivory Coast, mm-hmm. but they've been going back and forth. Mm-hmm. They own land there. They're cultivating the land. And then one of the things they said is the, 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 the soil mm-hmm. yields so much, mm-hmm. especially in West Africa and yeah. in Eastern Africa. Like they, they can get yields there just, you don't get here. It's really just rich soil. Right? Peppers, fruits, all this stuff right. is just right. bushels and bushels. Right. But mm-hmm. a third of it rots because of the poor infrastructure, poor wow, refrigeration. Really? A whole third? Yeah. And then another third doesn't make it and then some of them are appropriate for um food processing i was talking to another that's, company that's exactly is that, is that, so is that like i've heard i've heard that stat before a, a similar stat or something like a third of it rots uh a third of it is uh not um what's there's like classes of produce and it devolves to like class b or something i don't right, know right right and then the, the, the but is that just is that the fault it, of capitalism? What is that? Why well, is that important? Important. And so many people starving? Well, I'm talking about like um, there's a company in East Africa, and this is on the dairy side. They were saying one of the issues that they have is the quality of um, cultivating either the land or their cattle or whatever to make sure that they're well fed consistently. And then once you get that yield, be that a crop, dairy, meat, whatever. Mm-hmm. Getting it to market it, getting it processed. I'm not saying right. like canned and everything else, but getting it ready to get into the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the it's not even though they can make enough, mm-hmm. they don't get enough to the stores for their domestic consumption. consumption right. Much left exporting, so they don't really get to export to their neighbors. They, they're excess because they're so in a, they're horribly inefficient. When we talk about inefficiency stateside, we have inefficiencies, no doubt, right? But you know if you make something, you can drive down to Quincy Center. Exactly. Yeah. You, can, you can get it into New York. And um, it might be terrible on the shelf, <laughs> but you can get but it there. But it's there, right? But it's right, there. Right, right. This is what, one of the things that they struggle with. And it, it's killing their... It's un, making people undernourished. Yeah. It, because they, they can yield it. I mean, now you're spending so much energy to get in there. You've lost... 30% of your money off the rip, mm-hmm. right? Just because in spoilage. Um, I just don't understand. Like, why is that? Like, I, I saw a, doc, a National Geographic documentary of this guy who was, um, he lived in, like, one part of Africa. He, had to, he literally had to do this, like, uh, he actually had to stay where he worked because he, he lived, like, 
200 miles away and he had to ride on the top of a train through the desert mm. to go to a marketplace to sell something from his village. So he'd, he'd get the stuff from his village, go all the way to the marketplace, sell it, let's stay there for like three days and take and the train back right. all the way. Like, why Why is, is that like... But that happened in a small town in America and that's why Walmart came to be. It's all, but I'm saying, why can't that? Why can't we duplicate that in, in Africa? There's infrastructure, no, right? Yeah. So infrastructure right now is one of Africa biggest challenges mm-hmm. you know, right and that's actually what's causing the access to market of food as far as food being produced we have it in abundant people grow stuff on the farm yeah. but the you know the infrastructure to get it to market right i keep you know have you know like land in a village right producing yeah. let's say rice or whatever but the road to actually get it to the um to, to <laughs> the to basic the city, exactly yeah. just the basic stuff to get it to the city even Let's say uh, you know eggplants, for example, right? Yeah. Produce a lot of eggplant. Eggplant go back quicker, right? Yeah. Um, you can have that fresh, but if I if I can produce that and get it to market quicker, what I can sell it, right? Without yeah. that going bad and yeah, put yeah. it in front of people on their table, I think it, it helps me be able to produce more. But if I can bring it to the market and sell it, you know, I can only use whatever I can, and the rest, you know, end up going to buy. So at the core of that is infrastructure, mm-hmm. and we've. Regardless of what country you think about right now on the continent, there are a few that are ahead on uh, infrastructure, but the bulk of the countries are, you know, uh, the, the infra- infrastructure roads and bridges, and those are the, the, some of the biggest challenges. So for all, all, everyone out here in TDP land, I mean TNDP, you know, these infrastructure problems, there's definitely got to be money in that, because anywhere there's a problem, there's a, and there's a solution for it somewhere. So the infrastructure problems are interesting because they are capital intensive. You're going to be very, talking to cap, very. you know, building a road or a bridge or yeah. a power plant or. Um, well, maybe there has to be plant. another solution then. So you know? the, what's been pop, you're doing, you need those, but you can do, um, I forgot the term for them. Where you build local infrastructure right then, so it's localized. So you take a solar, um, a little tiny solar array. Yeah. You, you use a water pump with it, and you put wind, and you make it, give it a satellite, uh, satellite connection, a mm-hmm. dish, and now, and then you have Wi-Fi, and now that little power is producing water, light, electricity, internet, mm-hmm. right then and there. Right it's then. not connected to. Uh, others, you maybe could have it in that village or in that local area, yeah. and now you can run, you can engage in a small economy there. That's been um, resonated in some places. There's some things, there's some technologies out there for like localized using solar and wind to run um, refrigeration. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes. You the road you can't take a while to fix bad roads, right? It, it or build a road right. that doesn't exist. Yeah. But if you could do localized, you, they still have trucks and so forth. You can. You can do some things to get your goods to market right now. Um, there's some companies around the world. What, what's been I've noticed uh, from the growth growth side is when people come with me. I'm, I hear the idea. It's like, yo, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And you try to get it funded, so, and it's it's tough, it's, man. It's capital so, but here, right, here's right. here's what here's where I'm going with this, though. I I understand that. You know, roads and things like that are expensive, but there's other ways to get things to places. Right. Okay. So why do we in America? Why are we? Why are we when we drink our Tropicana orange juice? Why is all that orange juice coming from Brazil, or wherever? You know, it's because they fly it. So I mean, if we can build an airport or something, just mm-hmm. so they can get the get the produce to the world, not just to you know ten miles down the road where there's no road, 
take it, send it to, send it to, I mean, that's, that's something Chinese, they eat a lot of vegetables. I mean, send it anywhere, anywhere in the world. It's just a plane ride is what I'm looking at. You still got to get the stuff to the airport. Well, I mean, you know, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this comes into the. He skipped that part, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the challenge. Like, yeah. if they could get the goods. If they can preserve their goods, I'm not know talking full in full and full of preservatives. It's right. still fresh enough right. to get it to it. They can they can service it. The quality, the rainfall that they're having, yeah, it's just it's amazing. They could they could be a breadbasket. Western and, and Western African and Southern Eastern Africa right. could be the breadbasket, the new breadbaskets of the world. I, I just, just not there. No, I, I feel you. I, I guess you. I guess you guys are right. I just. It just seems like such a simple problem. Maybe I'm just being an ignorant well, American, just taking our well, see, roads no, for no, granted. For me, I would you go know. and I would say, okay, let me get the. I'm, I can get USAID, World Bank, um, the UN, these international things to create. They have funds and programs that they fund. Yeah. But now I have to get all that, and then I come to someone like Gabe, and I was like, "Hey, Gabe, I, I there's this idea, and I got this international body to back it because he's not going to get the money before that." He, here's here's what I'm saying. All Would that the, work? All the other uh, international companies that are in Africa find ways to get their product out. Okay, so you got the the guys are getting their coltan out, the guys are getting the oil out, the guys are getting their gold and diamonds out. How come we can't figure out how to get they some? Build a, they, part of their deal is that they get the roads and infrastructure built or they build it. They build it themselves, right? Yeah. So that's oh, okay. part of the... Uh, yeah. So they build their own infrastructure. Yeah. Right? And then they take... Man. And then the, <laughs> See, what happens with the Chinese, they yeah. remember with Curtis, when they build that infrastructure, yeah. everything that they find as they're building, they're taking, they're taking it. right. Man, right. dude, so where are they getting the raw like, deal? Like, oh, man. shoot. I'm, oh, there's a little bit of gold. That's coming out. You right. know? You know, I found... You're just getting a raw deal there, bro. It, because you're not investing. It's sort of like a... Yeah. I just think political officials there, and, I, you know, we've, we've gone on about this, but they're really selling their people short. I mean, that's... It, whether you're talking you know, to people in the diaspora yeah. or people that are there locally, yeah. that's you know that's one of the things that we I think we all struggle with right now. The leaders that we have in power, uh, we think they are not. And, and sometimes I think for me, I think it's a value uh, a value thing, right? Mm. Like you come, you know, most of these guys come from nothing, you know, and you inherit power yeah. to to just watch. You coming from nothing and in being in power and then watch somebody else suffer, you know, in the country that you what you live in, what you live in is this big house. Yeah. Whereas the people you drive by all the time are like in object poverty is a problem, you know. So if you talk to people locally, whether here or in the diaspora, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, whether here or even locally, that's one of the things we struggle. We think leaders are uh, on the continent are actually failing the people. They're not in the best interest of uh, you know the people that are you know who actually end up electing them. Case in point, you know, I, and I'm going to go on record on saying that, uh, our current president, right? Mm. Um, you know, this is a guy who came from, you know. What's his name? George, George Weir, right? Okay. He was, you know, came from poverty, yeah. you know, played soccer, you know, played his way to soccer, became one of the best soccer players out of Africa, right? Mm. Um, you know, ran back, you know, ran, you know, won the election. Currently, before he took over, the inflation, right, the, the, the dollar, the U.S. dollar was pegged against our dollar, uh, one dollar to I think one thirty. 
currently is at one dollar to 160 US dollars. I mean, a dollar. Wow, so that it, is crazy. It has gone up. I mean, you talk to everybody yeah. back home, it's you know, you, they can't afford anything anymore. It's wow. like the inflation that keeps going up, it keeps yeah. going up. Yeah. But here's the guy since he's got in power, this is somebody who has international, uh, you know, uh, leverage, right? Because yeah. he's played soccer around the world, yeah. uh, you know, he has. He, not not a single deal that he's he's brought into the country. Mm -hmm. um, everybody you talk to is actually you know complaining about the. Uh, the state oh, he's of a the, professional soccer player. He's a professional soccer oh, player. Oh, okay. I thought right. you just okay. Yeah. Wow. Everybody yeah. you talk to is complaining about you know the state of the economy. Mm -hmm. um, and you know again it goes back to how the people that we elect. You know, and for me I think the people we elect you know says a lot about us as a people. Mm -hmm. You know, we had the alternative to elect somebody that could have been you know a better alternative. From him, yeah. right? But yeah. you know, again, um, he because of his soccer popularity, so he, you know, a lot of people voted for him because I mean, of that. Just similar well, well, to what we have with, with Donald Trump. What about so that tells me he didn't? He had good name recognition, right? Mm -hmm. People were excited. There was no team built around him. Who was he bringing with him? Because yeah. I don't think he's going to have deep monetary and fiscal policy ideas, but. <laughs> Someone should be like, hey, that's, bro, let me come on with you and I'll help you. That's exactly what everybody thought. Hey, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room to run, the, you know, to, to do whatever you want to yeah, do, right? Just yeah. surround yourself with smart people. Sure. Right? Yeah, and yeah. as a great leader, I think that's what everybody should do. Like, mm -hmm. you should feel comfortable having people around you that are way smarter than you because of course. They, they make you even smarter. Yeah. So when mm -hmm. he got elected, we thought that that's was why you guys are here. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you. So, so when so he got elected, we thought that was that's exactly what was going to happen, yeah. you know. But you know, the people that are—I mean, some of the policy that this guy is putting out—he puts out like free education, you know. I guess he heard it from here, so he said, "Hey, we're going to have free education, right?" But he doesn't—he didn't—he just told everybody, "I'm going to have free education." Didn't say how he's going to pay for it. When he was running for election, didn't put out any platform as to what he was going to do. When it's he straight got populism. It's just, it just straight, straight populism, populism that, that got him into that. Uh, and if you look around the continent as a whole, like whether it's sub-Sahara, yeah. like you can see that the, the trend. Uh, you go to Cameroon, where there's currently uh, like a division between the French side and the uh, the English-speaking side. Mm -hmm. They had this old guy, uh, Paul Bia, who's just there doing old. I think he's about 80 years old. Like wow. He's been in power over 24 years, you know. These are the guys that we have in power that are filling the country. You know, somebody like that, they go in, they just think about their family. Hey, is my family's fine. I'm, I have enough to, to sustain myself. That's it. You know, that's do you, do, you, do you think he's been visited? So uh, uh, Christopher Jackson made a point, and this is, uh, he said this is common throughout Africa, is you get a visit from the quote-unquote economic hitmen. Mm -hmm. They come with a pallet of cash and say, you can take this cash or we can take you out. Mm. Do you feel like he's he's been one of those people who's been visited? Um, I wouldn't think so. Not not mm -hmm. for him. Not for George Weah. The reason why I think he hasn't been visited because since he got elected, mm -hmm. he, I mean, he came here, but he was confined to where he can go. Okay. Um, I don't think he's been. They don't they don't favor him. They, I don't think the yeah. the West favor him. So pretty much he's he's pivoted towards China. Really? Um, yeah, he's. Well, they got their own hitmen. They got their own hitmen too, though. Exactly. Know? He's pivoted towards China, trying to get a couple of deals from them, but that didn't work. I don't think the the world believes in his ability to to run the country. Mm. So mm. pretty much, he's just uh, on his own right now. Yeah. Um. Uh, I think to give him a little bit of credit, the only thing that he's trying to do is you know build some roles or build 
complete the role that the previous president has started. Yeah. Um, I think so far that's the only credit I can give him. But in terms of understanding the economy as a whole and making it work for everybody in our country, he yeah. has not even, not him, not just him, but his entire team has no idea what they're doing. So yeah, what's tough? Let me ask you one more question. I'm sorry, but I wanted to uh, see why do you feel like, and I, I agree with you, but why is it that it seems like our people, our political leaders mm-hmm. in Africa, seem to be more susceptible to the guys with the pallets of cash mm-hmm. and tell you take this cow, take this cash, and we're going to come, we're going to do whatever we want to do. Why is it just in that? So if you look in uh, Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. I'm sure someone came to them like when they, if you know the history of Saudi Arabia, they it wasn't Saudi Arabia before 100, right, like right. hundred years ago or whatever, right? Yeah, pardon, I'm but well, yeah. But uh, BP came to them and they worked out a petroleum deal and right. they shook hands and now they're balling out of control. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the family. I mean, literally the whole country. There's no, there's no real poverty in Saudi Arabia. Right. Not like here. Not like in third world. Countries. Not if you're a Saudi. Uh, okay. No, not if you're a Saudi. Exactly. No. If you're a Saudi. I mean, yeah. I'm not talking about if you're a Philippine maid that comes over there. I'm talking about for actual Saudi citizens. You're right. Okay. So they worked out a deal that benefited the whole people. Okay, same thing. Um, not every South American country, but um, there's one I wanted to talk. I forgot the name of the country. You think in Chile or because Argentina uh, has issues, Brazil has issues, uh, Colombia, Venezuela is in trouble right, right now. Right. Um, what was the one they had? Um, South America had a um, like the American South had that culture of, of nobles, elites, and you know plebes, peasants. So those guys are not seeing themselves as the same. Hey, so long as I'm taking care of everything, you will eventually be taken care of, you know, uh, in some sort of fiefdom idea. Um, if change, I mean, they've shifted from that. But that was an argument that the U.S. had between the North and the South. Um, the North became more industrial and the South, based on slave labor, was mucked and mired in this kind of a, like elitist, I could be highly inefficient. I just throw labor at it. <laughs> I don't. I'm disconnected. Yeah. Um, but it still resonated. You had um, poor working whites who were poorer than the slaves in the United States at periods of time because people forget that American slaves and throughout the West were actually skilled artisans. They were carpenters. They were electricians. Um, a slight tangent that the unions in the U.S. were created to protect. Um, um, white European, white Americans, against slave labor from the South mm. coming in, skilled labor and skilled labor from Europe. Mm. That's one, that's one of the things because they were on, the, they were competing for their labor. Um, it's it's okay. hard. Like if you don't cultivate that the working class and having pathways for upper mobility and have the leadership recognize them as equals, exactly right. You're, you're going to make terrible decisions. Right. It, it doesn't matter. That's why our current leadership that we have right now, people are like, oh, you can't believe they're making the decisions. They do not see you as being the same. You get disconnected. Yeah. You have to go. It's sort of like. Um, it's definitely us and them. For us them. and them. Yeah. Like, it, you know, everyone knows and make it relevant to someone living in America. Person from the hood. Worked their butt off, went to college. Maybe they play ball. They get out, they don't ever come home. They drive by, I, I used to live right over there. <laughs> <laughs> After a while, it's no longer, there's no relationships there. They're not, they're not cultivated, they're not meeting with the people. Yeah. Um, and swinging it to where you're talking about people from the diaspora, one of the things is that was done to us. 
that lack of connection was done as a mean to sever that that relationship. You mean here in America? Yeah, but there, no. Well, it was done. Well, they, well I guess they have had. Well, also. they got strong enough. Like the Europeans got strong, got high on yeah. free African and yeah. indigenous labor, and then uh, you know indentured servants. They got powerful enough, and they went and invaded Africa and invaded um, South um, uh, South Asia as well. And they took all that labor power and made themselves wealthy. Man. But you couldn't have people. Still create. currently, not, not past 10. Still currently. <laughs> yeah. Still currently. Yeah. So for you to maintain that, you, you got to have everybody come through you mm-hmm. and your institutions to make deals happen. You can't have them just doing deals with each other. That would, that would not go well. You would, lo- you would lose power. You would eventually lose control. Um, so the people who have learned to do well in that system. I can make it another analogy. Sort of like if you learn to survive in prison, mm. doesn't necessarily gonna, you can't bring those skills out and survive in the real world. You're learning to survive in, that in environment, a, right. a, a toxic environment because you have to. How well, do you do that when you're trying? Uh, doesn't necessarily transition well for everyone that you're going to do well in an open, supposedly free I just, society. I just don't see a future for like we have some lofty dreams our group of people that we have many of us like six seven eight people yeah okay the eight of us have some lofty dreams about what we want to accomplish over there you know for our people and for over there however if we we're we're never going to escape that issue of corrupt political leaders i don't think because they have people that are offering them pallets of cash and they're coming from uh abject poverty Mm mm-hmm even though, like, I just don't understand how you can have abject party, pat poverty in the land of, like, so much wealth. So, let, let me, uh, I, I can know? give you a, a personal story. So, when I was in grad school, right, I think yeah. about last year, and um, matter of fact, I was so, my, my dad and I was so focused on, you know, doing something with the land he has back home. Yeah. Um, to the point I was even considering on moving there, right? So, I reached out to this guy who's actually he worked with he was, i think the chief of staff of uh john kennedy i'm mean, not john not john kennedy um Ro- uh, ted is, no not ted robert uh john kerry he was john the kerry, chief of okay. staff of john kerry right he so he he built uh these uh affordable housing i think he has some in uh, uh ghana so he was trying to do similar uh, he attempted similar things in, in in liberia yeah so he and i was talking he said oh i i'm i'm looking for somebody to go there to run my company from liberia mm-hmm. i said yeah you know what matter of fact i'm thinking of going back there to do that too uh but he also said i'm looking for you know to um you know buy more land i said listen you know what? i think you're talking to the right guy my dad has some land um we can you know do something with it right um, so he said, okay, who's your dad? I said, well, my dad is just uh, it's a regular guy. He said, what? The first question he asked me was, does your dad work in the government? I said, no, my dad doesn't work in the government. He's just a regular guy, you know, who's has land, his pop lesbian land, and he's trying to do, we're trying to do something with it. And for him, that was the end of the conversation because <laughs> he was looking for, you know, to go through the government to get free land. Now, if, you, if my wow. dad was actually in the, and that was it. After that, I didn't even talk to him. I said, if you cannot go through you know, a regular person to make deal with them, you, they have to be connected to the government because you're trying to gain certain favor. I'm not going to do any business with you. Hmm. So it, for me, to go back on that question, if you're going to do business there, you yeah. can't, there's a way you can go about it without, you know, have to pander to people that are corrupt. For me, yeah. I have this crazy mindset, right? I, when I went back to Liberia, you know, there's, when you go, you check in any airport, right? 
the first thing they do, oh, uh, we're, we're checking your luggage. They'll look at, stamp your passport. So what they do, they'll hold on to it for a little bit of time, you, you know, asking for, you know, a little help before they give it back to you, right? They, there couldn't be nothing wrong with your passport. But, you know, because, of, you know, these guys don't have a lot of money, so they, was, you know, they want you to hand them a little, it was five bucks or whatever it is. Oh. So then they'll, give you, then they'll give you the passport. So this guy was just tearing me down. So I'm looking at him, hey, is there something wrong with the passport? He said, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but I, what do you have? Can you give me a little bit of something? I said, no, I can't give you anything. There's nothing wrong with my passport, you know. So we just stood there just staring at each other. Because if I were to give him money to allow him to give me that, that passport, he would do it to everybody else who come through there. So mm. there's a way you stand your ground to make sure that the system doesn't go forward to everybody. And I think if you're going to go in there to do business, you have to have that same mindset. If somebody said, hey, um, you know what, your documents that you want to do are taking too long, um, well, I know the in and out, give me this, you know, whatever you can so I can get it faster. I think you're morally obligated to say, listen, I don't have to give you anything. Show me who it is. Yeah. Let's go there and see what, what the problem is. I can resolve that problem without paying anybody else. Yeah. So, yeah. I wonder, because I've had some deals and talked to people, like they want you to give them money. But like uh, one, that's immoral, and two, it's illegal. Uh, I'm not going to jail for you. But if you structured it and said that same activity and say, hey, I have a company. If the guy said, you know what? Sometimes it gets stuck. My cousin has a company, it's a legit company, and they help you for this set price move through it. And this is what they're going to do, A, B, C, and D, because mm-hmm. you tend to get stuck there. That's a business. That's a business. Exactly. I, I, so that that makes sense. Right. But what you're doing is corruption. So you could take the idea of like things get stuck. And connecting people. And, and connect it into a business. And make it into a yeah, nice right, legitimate right, business. Right. And you get paid on up and up. Right. And I don't get in trouble with the U.S. government. Um, do you think that with information, like talking to a man's thing of the, the cultural change, like say, hey, I understand you see that you see the problem. Mm-hmm. Can you do it in this way where it's more business oriented and you get paid? You probably get paid more money because right. you're getting paid on the up and up. Right. Do you think that would be uh, acceptable? No, I think it, it will be. Um, and, and I think, you know, maybe I, I, that's a good point you pointed out. That's a good uh, piece you pointed out there. Uh, it will be because, again, some of that, I mean, maybe just the way, the way I think, you know, is uh, sometimes I tend to look at certain things are black and white, there's no gray area. I, shouldn't have to pay to get whatever I can if there was... If yeah, I'm the no same way. Pay, yeah. right? <laughs> same um, exact way. But you're right. Maybe there yeah, got nothing. to be the nuanced approach to it. Say, you know what? Hey, since you're, you're you know, this facilitator, maybe you should form a business doing that, you know, to help other people. Um, yeah, if you're in a position, I think it's, you can tell whoever it is to say, hey, you know what? There's, I think there's an opportunity here to for you connecting people um, to get whatever information they need to get. Yeah. Like that that fast track um, line at the airport. TSA. Is it a straight hustle? That's just a hustle because it's all (laughs) like, you know, basically they just do a pre-check to make sure that you're not a threat. It's easy to see if you're not a threat or not because as soon as you scan it in, it's, you know, is this guy a threat or not? So that's also a, uh, that's that's probably a corruption right there, but it's really just business at the end of the day. I mean, the the difference is there's no guy going to be like, hey, uh. 
if you give me a little extra, oh, you so can go across. You already back. paid in yeah, advance. Exactly. You paid one time. So you're exactly. not, you're not every airport you go to, you're not gonna have to pay some guy. You just paid for that privilege. And didn't you say they do that in Saudi? Like, Saudi the the. Oh Saudi, you when I went to Saudi, to uh, our friend Yassine, my, my friend Yassine, who yeah. I just saw last night, his yeah. parents have a, a Hajj and um, Umrah business. Yeah, I that's what they did. They handled all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not dealing. I'm not dealing in the Middle East. Dealing with my passport, I, I just can't. They move so slow. Mm. I I don't have the uh, my American patience is going to get like oh. <laughs> this takes longer than five minutes. This takes no, longer. sir. No, I let them do it, and I just sit down and chit chat with people and drink coffee. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> and tea because they're really nice, though. Yeah. They're really like the nicest people, but administratively the slowest. Mm, pretty slow. Slow. Yeah. slow. Wow. And that's a lot of places in the world actually are pretty pretty slow. It's not just the Middle East. It's not just Africa. I've been. You know who was actually fast? China was fast. Mm. China was really fast to get through the airport. It's huge. But they were like, all your documents are in order. There you go. Mm. Well, anyway, my uh, my original point was is just I just really hope we can start to look out for each other the way the Chinese do. Like, remember we talked about it on the panel. Right. The Chinese look out for their prisoners because they're, they're also Chinese. Right. Uh, I just really want us to look out for each other the way other countries seem to enrich their entire societies mm-hmm. and they still have their elite and everybody but they managed to bring the whole country up and mm-hmm. it, you know i i want to make it clear that i am not against and we are here on the not dumb podcast are not against doing business mm-hmm. and as a whole like doing business with china doing business with western companies or western uh, uh um countries and stuff like that that's not what we're against right. we're against Take, getting taken advantage taking of. Taking advantage of. And yeah. that's just constantly the case with our people. Right. You know, all around the world, especially in Africa, mm-hmm. it seems like the, the people of Africa are not coming up, but the country's just going in and just taking and taking and taking. The country's leaders, they get their pallets of cash and then they go to the Swiss Alps and vacation and do their own thing and educate their children in America and Oxford University or wherever they go. Yeah. And they, they constantly just detach themselves from their own country countrymen. Right. And they stay in power, and they just they stay in power to, to at the detriment of the people. The there. people right. So it's just it's very sad that we're we seem to be doing that. And there's other countries around the world, I guess, that do it. But it seems like for us, it's like almost a, a given. Yeah. Almost. I mean, is there is there any is there any African country that the whole country is doing well? I mean, oh, that's several. I would say Rwanda. Rwanda, the whole country is doing well. The whole country, I mean, you can say in terms of development, they're they're doing well, but also they have a high unemployment rate. Okay. Right? Um, Ghana, I I think Ghana is pretty 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 good. Mm. Um, uh, South Africa, they're, they're, I've heard good things about Ghana. Yeah, Ghana, they're, they're pretty. I mean, if you look at their population, I think last time I checked, it was about twenty five million, probably around five million right now. I mean, yeah. thirty million right now. Um, in terms of the amount of people living on the, uh, the poverty line is yeah. lower compared to other countries on the continent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think they're doing well. If you can do that for your people, I think, yeah, yeah if somebody can, you know, come up in a country, go to high school, go to college and be able to find a job and be able to make a life for themselves, you, then you're doing good for your people. Yeah. Um, so I think Ghana, Rwanda, um, and um, yeah, I think those are the only 
there might be several others, so I don't want to be. I think Tanzania, Tanzania is doing good. Mozambique is doing well as well. So there are there are a few on the continent that are doing well. I think we got to Shaman, you and I, we gotta we gotta get over there. Yeah, just get our eyes on stuff and see what's going on. That's the whole. We would like to go and bring the the podcast and interview the businesses and the leaders and the politics because. Kind of something like we broad brush all the politicians. Yeah. We know all the politicians aren't corrupt. Of course not. But no. this, it's like the level of corruption is too high. You know, we know that there's corruption here in the state. Definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of corruption here. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's at a level where it's higher now than we're used to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in America are like, yo, this is outrageous. This is too much. This is a, we're not supposed to see your back room. <laughs> your yeah, back he's room. bringing it. He's bringing all this dirty stuff from back room, like here, here in the is. front, yeah, right here, guys, right here. Yeah, we're all evil. Just, right. just so you didn't, in case you didn't know, we're all evil. Yeah, we're not used to that, you know. Um, but I want to talk Jacinda Ardern, who's a new prime minister of New Zealand. Mm. She's coming up with a um, going beyond GDP. I was listening to her. Um, I think she she does a weekly podcast that comes it gets picked up on LinkedIn. Oh wow! And um, I I, I started uh, oh, prime, prime minister. Yeah, yeah, yeah wow. And she she was like, we're only measuring well being on because New Zealand's a developed country. They're yeah. doing well, but that rate of suicide was creeping up, mm. right? And, um, and that's in the states. It's in a lot of the Western world. I've heard that about rates, America too. Yeah, yeah. High rates of suicide, high rates of depression. Yeah. So. Why, I don't want to say, hey, as we build our, uh, Africa and the rest of the diaspora, let's not do it in that Western model because it's really unstable. Very high levels in inequality, but you want the infrastructure. You want the, uh, the, the level of education, maybe not the exact type of education. Mm-hmm. You want to um, learn different ways of thinking and appreciate that. Um, and so they're coming out with a um, new metrics to measure, to measure a country's well-being. Country's well-being, GDP, right, yeah. Right. It includes GDP, but they have a couple others. So now I think, do you think that would be helpful to Africa as well? It will, and I think it was started by um, what's this country? I think Butin. Butin, yeah, oh. the king of Butin, who actually, and it was uh, the, the way he actually brought about it was, you know. You know, they went into his country and they said, "Hey, how are you guys doing well?" He said, "Well, you can't talk about GDP of a country if the people aren't doing well." You know, so that's how I think there was few economists that picked that up. Say, "Hey, you know, as opposed to just using yeah. GDP as the, the sole measure yeah, of a country, yeah. it's, yeah. it's it's it doesn't look at the well-being of the people. So we need to start looking at the well-being of the people. Not only that, he's also talked about." Uh, uh, the happiness index, right? How happy the people are in the country. Yeah. Right. So they happiness do, index. Yes, exactly. Wow. To thing. really, to yeah. really look at how happy people are in the yeah, country. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's where it started. But I think in overall, and this should have been done a long time ago. GDP is way outdated. You know the way it actually measures. Um, so I'm glad that that she's actually really spearheading this thing. To yeah, she she went it, and spoke at um, the um, to really make it happen. She spoke in Davos. Yes, a couple that's weeks right. ago. Right. Yeah. Now, now, I've seen her before, but that's when they got picked up, and people were like, "Oh, that sounds uh, like common sense," yeah. um, <laughs> you know, because um, you know, by GDP, America should be the greatest. You know, we. I mean, we, yeah. You know, we we make yeah. a lot of money, but we have a lot of issues. Yeah. A lot um, of well, we have a lot of issues, but American life really 
when you look at it worldwide, it's not. It's not that bad. It's, it's not, not that, it's not bad, that bad, bad. But no. we're just. I think Americans are just really dumb sometimes. <laughs> I'm serious. Like we just don't know what's happening in the world. Yeah. You know, and we 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 make decisions and we give our power to politicians who do know what's going on, and that they, they do. Sometimes they, they do. Don't. They do. But they do evil things with that power. Like our power, you and I, you, you are you a citizen here, basically, yeah, essentially. Yeah. So you, we all lend our power to politicians who go and advance corporate interests around the world of right. Americans that have nothing to do with us, and we don't get any part of that benefit. But as a whole, American life is not. It's not like third world country. It's yeah, like you I'm, know we got I mean, roads. none of us we don't are have to worry about getting shot and you know by. Right. I mean, but okay, but I'm saying I gave we them do. this look like we do. We're brown. We we, we have to uh, not do. all the time. We're not going to get shot by rebels, right? Not right. exactly. <laughs> it's just the police. That's all. <laughs> just, just the, the police, police and his, his, random white people. Here's what I have to say though. With guns. Right. Here's what I have to say. <laughs> Semi-automatic <today>. rifles. We're. <laughs> I mean, if you if you look at you're right. Yeah. In the standard of living in this country is not that bad. Yeah. But I think as you pointed out, what we worried about here the most is you know the fear which has gotten so bad recently. Fear of getting you know killed just from uh, yeah. regular stuff, right? Whereas, we have high crime, right? The U.S. has always had high crime. But whereas, if you go into Africa, and this is what I give Relative. the country credit for, right? Mm-hmm. The only way you will see somebody shooting somebody that's because you know it, it's either like an armed robbery, right? Yeah. Is it an armed robbery? No, you will not see a police just walking up to somebody and shooting them. Like people, people, people have guns in Africa, right? But most of the time, what we use it for just to go hunting. That we just use it to go hunt. We, you'll never see where, you know, I have beef with this person. I yeah. just go out and, you know, lose my mind and shoot them. No, we don't We, we, don't, we don't do that. A, f- a friend right. of mine um, came back from, uh, oh, I want to say Tanzania, and he said uh, there was literally almost just no crime there. Like, they had, they had shop owners. So let's say they have a shop owner and he has a bunch of carts, like he's selling vegetables or something. Mm-hmm. And he has to go do something, right? He'll just he'll leave all his stuff and he'll go thirty minutes, twenty, right. thirty minutes, come right. back, everything's still there. People right. might have come and left money for him. Mm-hmm. The money's still there. Right. They put it under something, like, oh hey, I took it out, whatever it was. Right. That like in America, that just doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. That's how it was in Saudi. So like it's, it's just like really, really good. But I think that's the nature of humanity, to be honest. I think at, at heart, white people included. I know we talk about white, but I'm saying at the nature, <coughs> the nature of who we are. I think in general, is that funny? <laughs> no, exactly as I was swallowing. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, the nature of humanity, we we tend to be good, and I right. I feel like over there. Um, the reason why we kind of get taken advantage of, to be honest, is I think people are just, I think people are good-hearted at, at some extent. I'm not talking about to, ta- a, detriment. I'm not ta- to, to a detriment. Right. I'm talking about the, the lower class. Now, right. there are people who are in power and they'll just kill anybody because right. right. I got this stack of money and this is what I'm doing with it and right. you guys are just going to be my underlings right. until whenever. But I think in general, we tend to be, human beings are, tend to be good. I believe that as well. I yeah. definitely believe that. And yeah. th- to a point, it could be, it, it could be, I think a little bit of na- naivety right there. Na- right? Naivety, right. that might right. be a better word right. for it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I do I do believe the same thing too. I do believe that humans as a whole are great people. Yeah. You know, there are a few outliers, you know, that are, you know, just just want to game people out there. But I think people as a whole are really good. Yeah. Um whereas if you have one person who, as I said, is an outlier and mm-hmm. they end up getting into power, 
those are the ones you see that are, you know, just because they are just so greedy, they just want to take advantage, yeah. advantage of everybody. Yeah. The sharks. Right. The yeah. sharks. Are well, what happens is the, the people around that corrupt or not even corrupt, like corruption, but corrupt morally yeah. person. Yeah. That don't say what you're doing is unacceptable. Exactly. They shift. That's one of the most dangerous things for human beings because the... Um, Bad behavior just becomes normal. Normal and normal. And that's our problem in America. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens around the world where you, if you went and say, hey, this is our standard. This is what we believe in. Obviously, there's some gray areas on the edges, right? But we're not going to let you do that. I don't care if you're my cousin. You're going to have to kick rocks. Or we say, hey, you're messing up. Let me bring you back into the fold. Right. You're, you're tripping right now. Let's you know go sit down somewhere. Let's get some therapy, yeah. or, or whatever they need, as opposed to going. No, 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 no. That never happened. No, he's not. He's he or she is not doing that. No. I, I, you, so, Sermon, you know what I do? Because uh, in, in addition to construction project management, I also do uh, personal assistance services. Mm-hmm. I have some clients who are wealthy, and I remember I, we talked about this on a previous podcast. One of my clients was telling me how he made his first big gigantic sum of money. Mm. And it was in a very immoral way. However, it wasn't technically illegal, mm. right? And he was like smiling, telling me the story how he got away. And I'm just like, he he. It was a bit. What do you? What did you call it, Shimon? What is, was it like? Stock fraud or what is that? When you uh, when you inflate something to more than it should be. Well, wow, he, it was insider. Uh, but and then he just bounced. It could have been insider trading. It was right. on the edge of that. So it was on. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't illegal. He didn't get investigated and none right. of that stuff. Right. But basically. Like I'm sitting here looking at him, and he's like smiling, just couldn't, can't believe his luck, kind of thing. And it's like they've they've tricked themselves into thinking that what they're doing is okay because it's not illegal, it's not and illegal, illegal isn't the the measure mean. of morality. Right. Well, it was highly immoral, highly, highly immoral. And I'm talking about like hundreds of millions of dollars this right. guy came away with, and it's just like, what are you like? How do you even? Sometimes illegal for them is because I didn't get caught. <laughs> well, maybe that's it too. I wasn't indicted. I mean, maybe you know that's I mean? it too. But I'm just saying, a lot of these people, they don't see themselves as being as being evil, evil and, right. and just right. corrupt. Like, oh, ha, 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 you know, like, oh, I screwed everyone. They think in their heads, they right. process it as just being, yeah, oh, hey, just I just, this is just the system. And, right. This yeah. is just the way the world I, works. I, I, I savagely handled yeah. this situation really well to yeah. my utmost. I, I was being very shrewd here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, and I think that's that because I don't think anyone really, like who in the world really thinks like, oh, I'm the evil. <laughs> I'm the guy. I'm, exactly. I'm just the worst guy on earth. Like no, no one really thinks that. They all think they're being just and like, hey, I, they got me a pallet full of, pallet full of money. I might as well take it because who right. someone else is going to take it right. or something so, like that. I, and I'm not going to get killed. I may as well take this money and uh, right. continue to look. Yeah. I mean, my kids have to go to school, right? <laughs> I got to feed my kids. So it, it's just, it, it comes down to that. But it seems like, man, I just want us to do better, man. We, we really got to look at the long the long picture here. The big I mean, picture if you, here. going back to on the uh, the issue of, uh, what is it, GDP, right? And yeah. inequality. Sure. So th- what I think uh, that's happened in this country um that you know led up to the uh, inequality here is I think we allow capitalism to get out of hand, right? Definitely. And and this is something that I hope w- will happen, right? In Africa, that America couldn't figure out capitalism. Like we're still struggling with it. We allowed it to get out of hand. Do we have this? It's unfettered. You know, this That's big what it is. giant yeah. corporation that the average person cannot, you know. Pretty much have live a decent life, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is something that I hope 
countries, whether emerging in Africa or else, will get it right. They will be able to get capitalism right. Well, mm-hmm. issue exists, right? Because I think a, a, a little bit of competition is needed, yeah. right? But I think we can keep a fair balance that it doesn't get out of hand as Africa. So this is something that I hope, you know, yeah. as those countries develop, they can figure that out and look at it and say, hey, if we're going to em- embrace capitalism, we can look at this country, this country that got it right mm-hmm. and the country that got it wrong, right? This is what these countries that got it right did, you know, and these countries that got it wrong, this is what we did. How can we keep that perfect balance to actually make sure that we don't get out of hand? And but so, countries like Japan, uh-huh. Switzerland, they tend to be homogenous. They're all pretty much one tribe, ethnic, dominant ethnic group. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to argue about one of the things is easier when you see that other person's other like you know in an american time context well i went to harvard and mm-hmm. that's some peon you know some person over there he didn't work as hard as i did right. my family did x y and z yeah, yeah, yeah. you could rationalize everything of what you're doing and like these animal spirits which is described cannibals and the animal wilds it's like uh at some point in time you if you're doing things that exploit other human beings you're not better at business. You're just crossing moral lines, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. And then you have people argue about taxation versus people dying from diseases that they that we could easily treat or injuries that they could easily treat, and they think that they're co-equal. Mm-hmm. You know, like hey, I would have to pay more for this child to be educated, or <laughs> people not to like yeah. freeze to death. Yeah. But people don't think about if you go skiing. Yeah, I've been skiing. Not against skiing, right? Not I don't ski that often. And you get there's an avalanche. No fault of your own. Mm-hmm. We're gonna fly a helicopter. We're gonna get all these people. We're gonna get thousands of people or hundreds of people who are highly skilled and cost a lot of money and rescue you. You know why? Because you're a human being in danger. Right. Yeah. Why don't you have that same mindset Mentality. towards the kid? Man, and that's a that's a very American problem that we right. have too. Right. Yeah. Let me let's let's uh, let's let's because uh, we're getting uh, late into this. Let's wrap this up. But I want to ask you guys because you guys are the money guys. What is specifically capitalism? Because I, like I have an idea of what it is, mm-hmm. but maybe capitalism in itself is the problem. Mm. You know, uh, I, I, you know I don't know if there's a way really to. Get around it because it's the world. Te- technically, um, industrial capitalism doesn't exist. It died in the Great Depression. So what are we? What we, we, system are we operating? We under use, then? in my opinion, we do. We have capitalism that's buffered by socialism. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have like social elements. Each country has a little bit more socialism than another. Mm-hmm. So we allow the free economy, which is capitalist, to use the trade, and then. Um, Capitalism right now has a lot of failures, so the market crashes. One can say it's on purpose or whatever. It corrects itself, so it gets overvalued because there's a lot of speculation. Right. Um, so um, about 20, depending on your economic theory, 10 to 40% of the value of current economies is fluff. Doesn't really it is. <laughs> it's just overvalued. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it's 10 to 20%? Mm-hmm. Some people argue higher. That is crazy. So well, tw- tw- twenty not, percent is just—it's interest it's like, uh, in, in speculation. It's not—it is not tied to any I mean, how real value. How many people value. live and die by that twenty percent of uh, nothing? Like well, that just, depends on how really twenty percent. 
Yeah, I mean, that is a lot of money. Because if man. you looked at real production, like how many goods and services yeah. are actually being done, yeah. the value of the of the businesses and the economies are way higher than that. So it's <laughs> that's not real. So that was one of the issues. So, but when that slush gets trimmed, it causes a lot of problems. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, because the last, the, the Great Recession, which is only one quarter away from a depression, so I like to think of it as a depression myself, um, that was... One quarter of what away from a depression? It was only a quarter, if it was in another quarter of, of decreasing economic... A quarter of a year, you mean, the time period? Yeah, a quarter. So if it lasted one more quarter, you would have been... If you had gone been down a, one more... Quarter, it would have been a depression. Been a, in depression, yeah. right? So right. there's no difference to, to how you feel. Right. <laughs> that was a horrible. Uh, was a side horrible. note to the to the guys out there: I had a foreclosure during that recession. Uh, it was horrific. It yeah, was, <laughs> that losing the house, damn, that hurts. Yeah, that puts that some hair on your chest because of that. All that speculation and yeah. slush. Yeah, I like people calling around. That it started. That contamination impacted the real economy. And this is one of the dangers that happened. Man, dude. Um, but for me, I'm thinking about it as an economic. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I like economics. From a banking perspective, you might look at it a little bit different. Man, dude. Well, um, just to, to point out, go the, ahead. Uh, during the, uh, the Great Recession, yeah. um, my, my mom ended up losing the house as well. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, that's what got me into banking. Because mm. what happened was uh, you know, this immigrant parent who just came here, yeah. bought a fresh house. But when she was buying the house, they put her in this mortgage product, which was a, a five. It's called a five five one arm, right? So oh it's, yeah, it's, five year. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's uh, fixed for five years. After that, it, yeah. you know, it goes back on exactly. the, the index. Yeah. It's float against the index. Yeah. So she didn't, she had no idea what it was. You know, she just Ooh. went trying to she buy the house. It, whatever, yeah, yeah, she just went out to buy a house. Yeah. Got into it. They gave her the product at the peak of that. You know, the crisis. You know, that thing balloon. Right. Yeah. So. She, she was actually trying to have a refinance, right? And um, the the mortgage company that we were working with, I think it's called, yeah, I can say their name, Texas Guarantee. They're they're, they're wow. being bankrupt now. Um, these guys said, "Well, we can't do it. You know, they can't. They didn't want to uh, refinance alone to the point we were actually trying to work with. Uh, they, they had these neighborhood corporation that will actually help you yeah. uh, modify your loan. Um, but the time we were taking, you know, to do that, you know. By then, they had foreclosed on the house. And that's why when I was in grad school, I said, you know what? I, I was clueless to finance, yeah, right? Yeah. I said, you know, I was learning about the, uh, you know, how, you know, the mortgage-backed securities, how mm -hmm. they were packaged. Like, you know, if you, you know, somebody buy a house there with 300, uh, say 607 credit score, yeah. you know, your credit score might be 800, and they might pull all those pull together and sell yeah. it on the secondary market. I was learning about those things in yeah. college, right? Yeah. But at the core of it, I didn't understand how these mortgages were originated. And that's what got me interested into banking. That's how I went into banking, because I really wanted to understand the core of it. So I'm going to tell you, from my, I was a real estate agent at that time, yeah. right? I didn't understand how people were getting qualified right. for just people right. just signing anything away, right. just any old kind of payment. Like, oh, it's going to be good for... Because right. a lot of people thought they were just going to buy it and flip it. Right. And I was one of those people. Yeah. And it, it just, like... you. Life happens, man. That's all it is. And these these mortgages were not life proof. No, they were very right. much. <laughs> they were very much uh, susceptible to to volatility in the market. Exactly. Right, it, right. it was really really right. bad. And on top of that, I just got married too. This was our first like little condos. Oh, nice little. Wow. Had a view of everything. Right. Oh, it was a nice little sweet Seattle condo. And and literally, this was uh, 
about a year and a half after we got married, not even, maybe about a year after we got married. Mm. And just literally now, in the last, like this past 2018, this year, mm. I'm just getting everything back together. So it took that long, took that long to right. get everything, right. pull it all back together, because after that, we had to move here to Boston. We were in Seattle. Wow. And it was just, it's, man, like a foreclosure is serious, yeah. bro. Yeah. It is yeah. serious. Yeah. Uh, and you lose so much money. Oh, man, just think, oh, I, so I much money. That um, when during the, I was, I survived the first part of the Great Recession because I had just transitioned to the oil and gas business, mm. and that was booming at the time. Yeah, and um, I left that, and I was in grad school, um, and I was doing a deal. Um, we had a couple of deals in, um, I had a couple of deals in China, and I had a okay. And I had a lot of money on the table on that one, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I, I had flown to China. How much, did, bro? How much, bro? Um, I had put in probably about eighty thousand. Oh, right. And then you know, oh, hurts. I was doing business with. Uh, I was doing. I was doing business. So we probably had about one twenty-five baked in, and we had a, oh, a deal from China. It was worth about half a million dollars, but the goods were were worth the to us to get paid but the goods were worth um, a couple million dollars we negotiated a great deal mm. and uh yeah the dudes didn't pay like you know mm. when they were they were like oh i was like oh we can you ship everything to us and then we'll pay you i was like i'm not give credit you know financing an international right. import export right. um because i've been doing it enough to know that's a bad idea um and long story short is they didn't have the money to pay me after oh, we had man. done all this work oh, and had it, and um, I looked at, you know, I looked at my partner. It was her deal, and I was doing the analysis. Like, oh, we're gonna have to take this on the chin. So we sent the products back, oh. and um, we were living in Texas at the time. And uh, in Texas, if you do not have the consumer protections as Massachusetts, so yeah. uh, they, they do not. Interesting. Do wow. not. Nor do they have the housing protections. They can evict you if you are five days late on your rent. Five. Wow. Not 15, not three months like you know, here, man. So wow. it was, wow. we were, we went to being in a very cash strapped position because nobody was paying because it was 2011. Right, right. And you, you try to call in on other people, contracts and so forth. Yeah. Nobody, nobody was paid. Yeah, the credit market was really Because they couldn't right. get money themselves. Right, right. Like there was right. just, it was just so hard to get people to pay so people were just defaulting on contracts like and i was talking to friends they're like yo we're not getting paid either brand this is uh, <laughs> it's not looking good you know what we should do here's a here's a here's a here's a brilliant idea uh, coming from iron man abdullah right here we should set up because well, there's no way around capitalism i don't see a way and that's not really a fight i want to get into is, right uh, is what is dead I mean, if you ask me, I think capitalism is dead. Um, there are. How is it dead? What do you it's, mean it's dead? Because I think if outlive its usefulness, we need something that is uh, that's you know will be effective in our current society to really. But yes, they're gonna. I'm keep a big peddling. fan of socialism, right? In a way, to a point, but it fails too. No, it didn't fail. It, it works in other countries. Here's, here's the reality, though. We all need to be just taken care of, right. like. Yeah, like there's a point at which your your life doesn't improve past a certain amount of money that you make. So like if I'm a if I'm a ten millionaire, 
what can I do that a hundred millionaire can do better? Not really much. I mean, really, come on. Seriously. Right? Like, what's he yeah. going to do? Like, yeah. oh, my cups are made of gold. Ha <laughs> ha. Like, <laughs> yeah, how are you flying around? It depends on what you look. No, I think that what's good about capitalism is that it brings, it makes people. The competition, in, right? The competition, right. exchanging right. ideas. That's, but well, you could do that what, in another model. But this right. is what, okay, so let me not lose my train of thought. Yeah, just put out right, your yeah. idea. My idea is we should have rules of regulation. I know there's regulation on capitalism, but I mean real regulation. Like almost like we need to have like some kind of like ten commandment morality rules of capitalism where we don't take advantage, where we always deal in free and fair trade, that kind of thing where there's no one that can be well we we have taken them, advantage of. But the people who govern them Violate exactly. them left and right. Them. Like if we actually like do so, what are so here's, we currently here's, do let, have let me, rules to let it? Me, let me give you. An I'm example, talking about right? internationally. Not let me just, let me give, a, give you an ahead, example here, right? So let's say you have your company, right? Yeah, yeah. And you've been growing a lot, and you say, hey, your direct competition is um, Shimon here, right? Yeah. And you look at him, you say, you know what? I think I like that company, but I I, I want to acquire Shimon's company, right? Yeah. And. There's, you heard about the uh, uh, the mon monopoly rule, right? Where mm -hmm. you know you cannot get too big to a level because there got to be a seller. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we we don't do that. Look, let's say the, what deal would that just got canceled? Was it the AT and T? AT and T were trying to buy it. Um, uh, I forgot what company. But that deal would have stiffened the competition, right? So mm -hmm. AT and T would have gotten so big to the point that you know they stopped they it. AT yeah, it, it got T-Mobile back in 2011. I think it was. I think but it I was. Think they approved it, didn't no, they? No, no, no. They think because T-Mobile is about to buy Sprint right now. Right. So they stopped it because it would have made AT&T too big of a company, right? And and that's exactly those kind of rules that's supposed to be on the book. Like you cannot allow a company to get too big. Like I think like Amazon right now. Amazon that's what I was literally too, just gonna say. Is too big. They're, they're killing their reach it. is too much. Too much, too man. much. Yeah. And that's the, the, the kind of things that, that, that stiffen our competition. They're putting a lot of companies, little company out of business. Well, and that is not good for our economy. As much as we want to celebrate Amazon and all these big companies. It's cool in a way because it's like, wow, like the wow factor. Right, yeah. But really, it's really it's, bad. It's for it is. So what businesses. is bad is... The, Walt Disney's another one. They're buying up a whole bunch of... They bought a lot of entertainment yeah. products. But yeah. what the, the issue about Amazon is that Amazon was taking information that is learning from its small providers yeah. and using it to compete against them. Right. Against them. Against them. Right. And that's, that's inappropriate. That's, I just well, that's what I'm saying. We need rules but, for that. Because like, well, uh, Congress hasn't done their job in a long exactly. time. Right. So we, we don't have rules designed for the, the, this agile economy that's very digital. So And many of those guys don't understand tech, not tech companies. Yeah, they don't. Right. And so they can't govern, and their staffers are going. They're so they've been so busy fighting back and forth on foolishness. That this company has just gotten out of control and yeah. taken all. Yeah. Right. And then you got a bunch of old so billionaires. What are, they, what, are we, what are we? What are they there for? Like we need to get somebody who understands because yeah. every the the economy is becoming increasingly digital and tech. Yeah. So right. Everything. My opinion right now is what happens. You got a bunch of people, and this is the last stance of the old guard business group guys. They're coming in trying to protect their the the old economy, which is oil and gas, mm -hmm. um, heavy heavy machinery, heavy machinery, cars, manufacturing, and, yeah. and lots of exploitation. 
and that's how they made their money and they're trying to defend it and the world and even the u.s is going like yo dude i, I don't i don't want that i want amazon i want to get my groceries delivered mm-hmm. why can't you deliver i don't want to wait it an is hour. lovely though I it is get <laughs> my package in i don't want to be waiting i don't want to be waiting for a taxi i want to yeah. get what service i need now, now when i need it at a reasonable price and i'm not going to pay and i want to know what everybody's paying right now yeah. And I want to talk to that person in Africa and China, and I'm not paying any extra money for it. It's easy to do that, though. But I think at the core of it, the people who work for you, you have to pay them a decent wage. Exactly. To, right. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's not happening. As In addition to getting too big, you're not paying the people that are working for you a decent wage. So there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a duopoly or a two-factor incident there. You're, you're getting too big. And the people that are working for you aren't getting paid enough. But if you but if you're going, if you reward uh, my shout out to my financial reporting professor at Tulane, um, if you reward CEOs and managements for short-term thinking because of how you compensate that's them, what do. that's what they're going to do. And boards have to stop awarding CEOs for quarterly performance and going to a behavior of long-term annual i mean that's why some companies have gone from going wall street i mean public back to private mm-hmm. so they can plan long term right, right you know or you got to change your, your just, board around there's a, there's, you're right there's a trend that's the, the short term, right the now, short term thinking is killing them right man. the minute you go you get on the public market you start raising money you have to report to these people on a quality basis yeah. and it get, every company gets to a point where they can't grow any longer or in terms of organic. That's when all these acquisitions, if you can't get the growth from somewhere like organically, you have to get it. Oh, in is that why they exactly. try to absorb? So you, so so you have to buy. Growing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, on the outside, it looks you know like the, the ideal thing to do because you think you, you're going to have all these synergies yeah. that's going to benefit the company. But I think most acquisition go bad. you know. But the reason it happens is because you can't grow... 50-50, right? The, the, the reason why it happens is because they can't grow any longer organically, so they just have all these acquisitions so let, buying let, this mind net, right? Let me ask you two money guys a question. Why is this, and I know that this is a real thing with the, the infinite growth kind of thing, but why can't they just be happy with hey, like Jeff Bezos, what's he going to do with a hundred and $30 billion that he can't do with $20 billion. You see what I'm saying? Like, why does it need to keep growing? Because if it doesn't grow, the way that we reward valuation exactly. in businesses is based on growth. Right. right. When you say valuation, are you talking about stocks and stuff like well, that? Well, the, the stock has come from the value, but the part of the value, this is the problem because so much of the economy has speculation in it. Yeah. Is that um, Amazon's a huge company. It's not going to shrink tomorrow. Like Microsoft. Think about Microsoft with uh, Bill Gates, because I like Bill Gates, what his thought process was. Bill, Microsoft was so large. Shout out to Bill Gates. Yeah. They, Bill Gates <laughs> has sure paid, uh, when the last time, I think Bill Gates has paid $6 billion in taxes, maybe seven, and he's given away maybe triple that amount of money, mm-hmm. and he still has billions and tens. He's and chilling. <laughs> he's not going to run out of money, yeah. right? Yeah. But for for the valuation of Microsoft, if we were thinking in the 90s, Microsoft is not, or let's think about Bill Gates, not Microsoft because it gets a little slushy. Bill Gates would be worth more money than Jeff Bezos. The only reason he's not is because Bill is giving a lot of his money away. Mm. And he's also changed his mindset a little bit. But But he's more impactful. 
in, in my opinion, if you look, I, f- I don't feel like Bill Gates is a, a terrible person. No, he's not. You know and how you get feels like I don't know about Jeff. I, I, Jeff is also new, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Billionaire status, right? If you think about it, if you're getting, if you're a social impact organization anywhere in the world, yeah, you are probably partially funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in some capacity. Really. They fund. They're only countries and international bodies that fund more money than they do. I they're mean, they're, up, they're, they're high up there. They're doing a lot of work in Nigeria right now in terms of uh, on, at the foundation level. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, there was an article where that said that they, they were actually looking to get the entire country of Nigeria out there. They've placed so much money in that country that you know, if you look if you look at it from a philanthropic uh, perspective, you mm-hmm. know that this is somebody who has good intentions. Yeah. Um, well. Uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, on the other, I can't say that about him. I think the most I've heard him he gave away was two, I think two billion. I think he's still not there right. yet. Like building, really, he was giving money away, but Microsoft got kind of steady, and he and then Amazon is still growing, yeah. and it hasn't hit a. It's not mature enough where, you know, you can. It's going to change the type of business. I think, like I think they're, they're matured enough though. They, we should, I think um, Amazon is I mean, weird, right? Yeah, I mean, look, Google changed, uh, and also it's the leadership style. Like Jeff, Jeff Bezos was a Wall Street guy. Mm-hmm. He came from Wall Street. That's exactly. Yeah, he's a Wall Street guy, right? and that's, he transitioned that's, that's into the tech. Right? Where um, um, Bill and uh, um, Steve Jobs, they were tech guys mm-hmm. that made their money. Definitely tech. And yeah. they also came from that Cali, yeah, right. Washington State, yeah. West Coast, yeah, yeah. kumbaya, hugging everybody. And um, I think Bezos, is he from the Midwest or from Well, Jersey? he's in Seattle too, but he's he not wasn't from, from there. there. He wasn't no, from, there. from there. But um, you know what? Now that we, we should, we should uh, inquire about maybe their, that foundation, um, Maybe we can get a grant from them to, you know, help us go to Africa and see some stuff. Yeah, you know? we, we, like that would be uh, ideal because uh, I'm a lot sure it would be pretty expensive for yeah. us to go over there. <laughs> but anyway, um, well, anyway, I, I think we, I think we, I hope we, uh, I hope we are able to educate uh, some of our listeners out there about some things. Um, I think we kind of went off on a, on a tangent, but we, you know, that's what we do. Uh, that's what we do, uh, and it was all informational. It wasn't uh, totally off topic. This, I mean, we weren't talking about things that didn't have anything to do with um, Africa or anything like that. But um, right. I still think we should like come up with some like, you know, rules of of capitalism that we don't violate it in whatever businesses we choose to go into over there. Because I, I, you know what, I, this would be my worst nightmare. We talk all this stuff, and we get some successful businesses going, and we find out that over there some people are being taken advantage of, and we don't even know about it. I'm not saying we do it willingly, but sometimes there's unknown aspects of, of business, whether it's suppliers or whoever it is. And then we're over here making money off of it, and we're like, hey, we're all millionaires now. We did it. We're, we did business in Africa. We're helping the country come up, and then there's some kind of expose on ABC. Oh, the, mm-hmm. African Power Group. Uh, they <laughs> apparently had uh, three hundred slaves uh, <laughs> working it, over know, there, and we're like, "Oh, I don't, you know, what, I don't, you know." You know that that's happens. what I absolutely do not want. But what happens is, remember when we, we need were, rules to this? Remember when Go we ahead. covered um, how the CEO of Starbucks handled? He had nothing to do. Starbucks leadership had nothing to do with that manager that discriminated oh, against yeah, those yeah, guys in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But the way that they handled it showed leadership. They went they respected did a good job. them. And handle, and that's the only thing you could do. How you got a quarter million out of that too? 
Something like that. Something crazy. Uh, yeah, well, they cost them their business deal. Yeah. And also embarrassed them. And uh, <laughs> got the little bleep on their record. You're going to have to make them whole. Yeah. But how they, they... That was not the way the the many corporations would have handled it. They would have gone back. Their mm-hmm. lawyers would, yeah. and PR firms would have made a response. They would have got sued and they would have settled. And yeah. it would have been here and it would have taken two years and it would have been messy. And he was like, we're getting hit. This was inappropriate. He, I like the fact that he didn't fire the person right away. He was like, oh, we'll investigate. Oh, they we'll investigate it. Tr- I think you should do that. Yeah, That's investigate fine. it. But and then they handled it maturely. Yeah. And now when you look back. I think they did fire her, though, right? Because I oh, think yeah, she yeah, should have been. She yeah. got fired. She should have yeah. been. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. clearly. <laughs> yeah. You know, they just did it where they didn't get an HR violation, you know, and they get sued for, like, violating her rights. Right, right. But then they were able to say, hey, what you did violated our standards. Yeah. They had standards that she violated their policy because they have an open uh, open store policy as long as you're not causing Ryan or being delinquent right. or anything. They were right. doing regular Starbucks business activity. Yeah. Um, and they had all the things in place to be able to do that, but mm-hmm. how their leadership handled it, and he knew, I think, how the board, you got to have board support too. Yeah. And stock, they just say, hey, okay, let's do this settlement because this is our not just our brand, but this is our core belief. Yeah. You're going to go handle that directly. Yeah. And as a result, and now we're talking about it in a positive light as opposed to what we were talking about uh, months ago, like, are we ready to go boycott Starbucks? No one's talking about that now. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. They killed, the, they killed it by just doing it properly. Doing yeah. it but properly, this is what I'm saying. Really I, just, ethically. I just want to make sure we uh, are operating uh, with morality in mind. Whatever we do, whatever we do, whatever we bring, if we bring some young people in and we we, we start doing businesses over there and we get some garments made, whatever the business is, because I have no idea what, what, what this is going to turn into at this point. We just know we're going to do something, right. right? We got to keep morality in mind. I don't want to take advantage of anybody. I think there's plenty of ways to make money without um, people getting taken advantage of and people getting paid properly for what they do. Um, anyway, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we enjoyed having you here with us. Um, I hope you are enjoying our new YouTube channel that is uh, up. Um, it takes me forever to edit the videos there, so please uh, look at yeah, them. Yeah, I don't help. I don't yeah, help at I all. I do everything, and it's uh, it's stressful. It's a lot. <laughs> he did mention that, actually. He says Iman does all the work. Uh, uh, man, there's all the editing. I get the guest. I rub elbows. I do the schmoozing. Is that what I Yeah, do? you're good at schmoozing. Yeah, you're good schmoozing. at bringing people in. I'm good at the behind the scenes. I'm the, yes. And I got the baritone. I bring the baritone. You bring bro. the baritone. I bring that baritone. Wait, bro. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about next week, man? Uh, I don't know. We're gonna take a break from the business, man, because we do a lot of business. And uh, are we I doing think, marriage? Next I think week? we're gonna talk about like marriage because we got some young brothers who hang out. Which with actually, us. marriage is about business. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that it is. Right? It's definitely it's a about financial decision. Man. You know, when I when when I uh, when we lost our house, I did not think we were gonna make it. I really didn't because that was because uh, when I married my wife. Short tangent. Uh, I was doing quite all right. I was a real estate agent. I bought her wedding ring, which is a very nice ring. Cash. Don't get a, you know. Huh? Nah. What? <laughs> yeah, never mind. I was going to say something. Well, anyway, I'm just saying I was doing all right then. And this was at the, this was at the height of the, when the, when all the real estate was going up. And of course, that's also when I brought the, bought the condo that we had. Cause I just thought it was going to keep going. Right. And, um, it's and she also comes so I my background is I come from a just a festival of poverty and dysfunction Mm. my wife however comes from a very nice family and they're very much well to do in Canada 
How did that happen? They, uh, I don't even know. We have, I met her online. Uh, oh, that's another story I'll tell one day. Oh, wow. But they have like, you know. Should have gone badly, but it actually went well. It, well it, it's gone all right. We've had our ups and downs. But anyway, I just knew that that foreclosure, because I was like, I was losing. I also had a cleaning company at the same time. I was losing contracts. Um, I was not closing any more real estate deals. Mm. Um, and when you're used, when you go from like getting ten and $15,000 checks to like, oh, hey, I got to go get a job for $15 an hour. <laughs> yeah. That's a reality check. It's, yeah, I remember, <laughs> that's I a gut that. check. Um, so it's, uh, that was bad. I did not think we were going to make it. And, um, but anyway, like when we lost the house and I had to like pack up, like it's, it's really surreal when you're like packing your house. That's got to be humbling. And you know, like, man, I put in those granite tiles there, bro. Yeah, like I, I fixed up the kitchen, bro. I was like, oh. No, my my marriage did not make that hit. Uh, did not that, make that did make that. Oh, did you have a foreclosure too? I didn't have a foreclosure, but I had oh. that huge. I had those deals going on at the same Where time. Where everything was just going down. It was going oh, down, and man. we both did business, right? Yeah. And it and, and her family owned the business. And yeah. It, it, we were just getting hit in the mouth, and we just just continuous, bam, bam. It was. Yeah. You couldn't get any cash, and I know I got friends that are. Um, senior banks, they're like, yeah, no, no one's getting anybody. <laughs> anybody. Oh man. It was, it was like, because people were thinking like, oh, it's going down again, and yeah. it was like everybody for themselves, you know. Yeah. Um, it was bad. It, was it, bad. It, it, it could be tough. But anyway, I don't want to leave the, leave them on this terrible note. <laughs> it's so actually anyway, funny because you're still married. I'm still married. Uh, we made it. We have a pretty good marriage, I think. You know, we don't even argue really. We just get into you don't argue. debates, dude. We get into debates. I don't know about debates. I like that euphemism. Do you get into <laughs> debates? You have debates, right? Yeah, debate. It's okay debates. to debate. Debates, debates is right. Look, look. Right. This is what happened. Our ecosystem. One of us does something, and then because I'm married to his sister, so. I find out, or he finds out what's going on. He's like, Shimon, are you okay? What's I was like, oh, man, I hate hearing stuff through the grapevine. <laughs> it's always worse when I hear it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> kind of subtle check. Yeah. You're right, bro. Yeah. Um, so it complicated sister. But anyway, right. so um, yeah, her dad's there. Um, and they would, um, so it's. I don't know where I was going with that. There's like in between oh, yeah. tangents, it just ended up. I'm just trying to end it on a positive note. Uh, I, hey, I mean, I met um, my wife in fifth grade, and then we reconnected post all that trauma. Did you realize that? Yeah, we were telling a story because she, she was the communications director for one of my clients, mm. and. Um, she, we were talking about where we went, you know, growing up in Boston, and I moved around. Mm. And then we realized that we went to the David Ellis, and we're the same age, so we were there at the same time. Mm. And I saw her picture. I was like, oh, I remember you. She never remembered me. She still doesn't from me at fifth grade. <laughs> but we went to fifth grade together. Wow. And, um, wow. and then we reconnected. Man, who would have known? At, so we were 25, how, 30 years, whatever later. Um, whatever many years later, you guys like, oh, hey. 27 years later 27 years later you guys hook up and like hey let's get married yo i think you're actually joking. we when we first met we were both still in other we were not we were not available oh she was with that bubblehead guy yeah he was a jackass whatever anyway uh so let's leave this on a positive note um the goal of all of this or what you should take away from this besides um uh, that we need to do business in Africa and stick together and not let our leaders go corrupt and uh, all that stuff is that um, 
failure happens. Like I said, Shaman and I have failed massively, uh, horrifically failed. Um, but uh, it works out if you keep trying. Like you keep going to the and keep keep on the straight path, bro. You've never lost more money than you've made in three years. <laughs> oh my god, I can't even. <laughs> in a couple of weeks. When I when, sometimes I actually still to this day I just sit and think about that because con- now that that condo that we lost is actually worth like two hundred thousand dollars more than what I paid for it. Wow. Yeah. So it went. So I bought it at like two twenty five something like that, and then it went down, and then I was losing contracts, couldn't pay for it. And then now it's shot back up, and now it's like a four hundred and something thousand dollar car. It's like, oh god! And I know how much I put into that because I put in the nice sparkly galaxy so, granite tiles. Right. Someone was going through there, like these tiles are nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> Those were some expensive tiles, man. Because I was, I put in like real dough into that place. Oh man! Anyway, that's you did the workmanship anyway, yourself. I did not do it myself. I hired mm. people. I was, I was balling at that time. I was like, hey, you guys handle this. Hey, I'll break you off a little something. Handle that. That's that's where I was. Now uh, I got to try to figure out how to do it myself. But uh, that's, that's and we only had one kid at that time too, so you know it was like <laughs> had two cars, one kid. We was just doing our thing. It was it was really nice. Anyway, uh, failure happens in business, in life, in everything, and uh, you got to keep moving, man. Keep moving. That's and part um, that's yeah. part of life, man. There's no way around it. You know, we have a saying in Islam: after difficulty comes relief, mm-hmm. but after relief comes more difficulty, and you got to keep moving, man. It's a cycle. You got to keep moving. Um, thank you for joining us, uh, Gabriel Carter. Uh, thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. Uh, really, um, we enjoyed, enjoyed having you here, here, man. We really. I think people it. really learned a lot because uh, we're, we're uh, learning a lot too. Me and Shaman, because we're learning about like, what one of the number one things we're learning is we are not as dapper as people who are from actually Africa. For some reason, like you guys are always have nice suits on <laughs> and nicely uh, shaved and everything. I got my big hairy beard and my thirty year old shirt and. Uh, we're just not dapper, man. You're dapper. Christopher Jackson's dapper. Godwin Gabriel's dapper. Chike Ukebu's dapper. <laughs> like, yeah. I got to step my game up. Man. Leonard was dapper. Leonard was dapper. He came in with his scarf. Jeez, man. I know. Yeah, man. We got to get that's it together. The, yeah, bro. that's the interesting thing about meeting new people. Yeah. You always learn something new about them. I'm stepping and, my game up, bro. You, it's vice versa. Because you know? you're, you're in casual. You're a casual right now, right? Right, right. I need right. to... Yeah, you look like you drive a Lamborghini. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm just saying you look like we'll, it. <laughs> we'll get there one day. <laughs> I need to look like I want people right. to think like, hey, that guy drives a Lamb. Right. Yeah, anyway, all right. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Um, joining us on the next podcast uh, where we'll be talking about our failures in marriage and probably get ourselves in trouble again. Probably not. We're gonna no, try we're going to tell the young bucks what not to do, what not to do, and what to do stuff. as well. Some well also, stuff some too. stuff what to do. Because uh, I think I think our, our young brothers need to learn. Uh, number one, what to expect in marriage, uh, how to treat women in marriage. Um, you know, just a lot, of, just a festival thing. Like, what to do when the kids come along, all that kind of stuff. What do you do when your wife calls your mom? Do you do you hear the do you hear the horror <laughs> stories of like, yeah, that yeah definitely. Do you hear the horror stories of like your wife's conversations with her friends about what their guys did? Yes. Yeah, I hear those too. And it's I'm, like, I'm like, man, I don't want to know this. I I'm like, um, I am nowhere that bad. No, bro. How am I getting yelled at? I should be like patted on the head. I'm a terrific person. <laughs> I am a great human being next to these guys. Anyway, so That's we need a to good have gauge. That's actually a good gauge. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no. I, real, I, real, I realize that. Like, if your wife is telling you about other, other her girlfriends, husbands, and boyfriends. And you're like, man, I've never done anything like that. You're in a good space. Now, if you don't hear those stories, uh, you're, getting, you're being told about. You might be that guy. <laughs> you might be that guy. <laughs> you might be that guy. No, no, no. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Uh,
one, one.